Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Game of Life podcast, where we bring to you behind the scenes in the lives of NBA players, business savvy entrepreneurs, and top level performers in all fields of personal development. This week's a special one. That's why it's taken a while to get this one out. It marks the 15th episode of the Game of Life. This is going to be an all-star lineup of all the 14 episodes before previous, taking the best of the best and putting it into one episode. I can't tell you how blessed and thankful I am to already have done 15 episodes. Honestly, had no idea if this would be a success or complete flop when I started out. And we already have more followers than I could ever have even fathomed. And five great committed sponsors, hopefully more to come. There is absolutely no way possible I could have done this without all of you out there listening, showing your support, giving me feedback kind of feel like we're growing a small cult following group like a little family of game of life podcasters kind of you know the star wars cult does wearing those chewbacca chewbacca suits around in public and we're the game of life podcasters we might have to get start getting us some gear right all right like i said we're gonna do something a little bit different i'm gonna go over what i've learned found the most interesting the most applicable for everyone's lives throughout the first 14 episodes of the show I've selected numerous clips from the episodes that I'll play during this podcast. Basically, it's the best of the best Game of Life podcast all-star lineup. It might just spark your interest to go back and listen to an episode or two that you missed, or listen to it for a second time, or a third. Let's get it rolling. And here's a little preview for you. We're going to hear on how to get the best sleep possible from top sleep coach worldwide, Pat Byrne, the ideal amount of coffee to drink every morning, and the five daily life improvements you can do every single day before 7 a.m. from Doctor of Medicine at Harvard, Sanjeev Chopra. Jeremy Lin's life hacks and daily routine, what gives him the advantage, how he made it to the NBA, super motivational. One of the craziest real-life adventure stories from the world-renowned adventure coach, John Levy. Uh, The greatest sporting event games ever called by an Emmy-winning broadcaster, Ian Eagle. How to get yourself the best mental state of mind every minute of every day from the top mental skills coach in all of sports, Graham Betchert. The life-changing experience that can literally improve your health dramatically within minutes from Dr. Drew Hall. And of course, more behind the scenes from NBA stars James McAdoo, Aaron Baines, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and just a lot more coming at you at this all-star episode. And we'll have all the links in the show notes to how to listen to every single episode as well. All right, let's kick it off with Dr. Shanjeev Chopra, doctor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. And he's going to tell you about the five big things that you can do every single day to improve your overall life quality and change to a healthy lifestyle of living. Here's an easy way to remember. On a good sunny day, go for a brisk walk to your favorite coffee shop. Now you've got the vitamin D from the sun, the exercise and the coffee. Don't go nuts remembering this. (laughs) And before you go meditate, and there's an ancient saying, you should meditate once a day. And if you don't have time to do that, you should meditate twice a day. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone remembers it. They meet me six months later and they go, Dr. Chopra, five things. And they... (laughs) 
Say it the same way. That, the easy way to remember. That's perfect. That's Five simple things. Easy way to remember and an easy thing that you can do every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'm sure you guys all love coffee out there. Maybe not as much as me, but let's listen to Dr. Shanjeev talk about how much coffee you should be drinking. That if you drink two cups of regular coffee a day, there's a 50% reduction in hospitalization and mortality from chronic liver disease. Wow. And that afflicts about a billion people in the world. Primary liver cancer is now the third leading cause of cancer mortality in the world. And if you drink two cups of coffee a day, regular coffee, there's a 40% reduction. Uh, so more and more studies, less lower liver enzymes, less hospitalization, less scarring, less mortality. Uh, and then studies came out that it lowers the risk of four other cancers, metastatic prostate cancer, colon cancer, skin cancer, endometrial cancer. Lowers the risk of cognitive decline, early dementia. Lowers the risk of Parkinsonism. And then a study in the New England Journal of Medicine about three, four years ago saying people who drink coffee, men and women, have low total and cost-specific mortality. That day I got about 100-plus emails from colleagues <laughs> around the country saying, Sanjeev, you're vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> Sanjeev also has some of the best stories, analogies that I've ever heard, and here are a couple of my favorite. I'm reminded of the story of Gandhi where this lady walks from a village 40 miles away with her 12-year-old son, mm -hmm. and she says, Gandhiji, my son adores you. He worships you. He's putting on a lot of weight. He's eating a lot of sugar. Would you please tell him not to eat sugar? It's not good for him. So Gandhi looks at the boy, he looks at the mother, and he says, come back in three weeks. So they go away, trudge 40 miles, come back three weeks later, and Gandhi looks at the boy, he says, son, Give up sugar. It's not good for you. And the boy says, Gandhiji, I will absolutely, from this moment, give up sugar. And he starts to leave the room. And the mother stays behind. And she says, Gandhiji, thank you for saying that to my son. But I want to ask you a question. We were here three weeks ago. You could have said the same thing to my son. And Gandhi whispers into her ear. He says, at that time, I had not given up sugar. And Mark Twain once said, the two most important days in your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Oh, wow. Wow, right? Wow, man, that couldn't uh, be more true. Is that? So it couldn't be more true. Wow, great stuff from Sanjeev. Check him out for sure. All right, next we're going to jump into Graham Betchert. Graham Betchert is the top mental skills coach in all of professional sports, a very good friend of mine, and he is going to bring it here with these clips on how to stay in the present, why victory goes to the vulnerable, and a super cool story about Michael Jordan and his mental approach to the game. I'm telling you, and uh, being vulnerable is the way to go. Yeah. Uh, we have a expression, victory goes to the vulnerable. Man, and when you awesome. really track peak performance, it's people who are willing to mentally go towards vulnerability. And I'm not talking about extreme physical danger, like jump off this cliff and see if you live. I'm not talking about that. I'm right. talking about like uh, still trusting your skills when it hasn't gone your way for like forever. 
and you still have to believe in your skills and deal with how emotionally uncomfortable that is when everyone's questioning you. Maybe you're questioning yourself. And instead of running away from that, you go towards it and then realize I'm still safe, even though it looks like I'm failing. Then all of a sudden you have these breakthroughs where you go, I don't even feel vulnerable anymore. You know what I mean? Like you're like, I feel actually, I'm, I'm actually okay. And then you can, instead of avoiding situations, you're like, I can perform in any situation I'm in. And the, the key to me is keeping things simple, right? Peak yeah. performance to me is about yeah. simplicity. It's not about these super complex, wild things. Definitely. It's about keeping it really, really simple and then allowing your body to do what it was trained to do. And so play present is the ultimate goal from the mental side. It's fully immersed in the moment, fully trusting your skills, mm-hmm. no past, no future, fully in the now, letting it happen, you know, and, and, and doing your thing. And so that becomes the essence of what we're trying to do. Everything... Like that sounds easy, right? It's a challenge, right? This is, oh, these yeah. are, it's, you have to go through your journey to figure out like what's in the way of you being in the present. And everyone has different things that take them out of the present. And your work is becoming aware of that and then going towards the present, even though you feel, right, vulnerable. And if you can just keep doing that concept, victory goes to the vulnerable, you'll keep bringing yourself into the moment. You'll keep being in your body, being where your feet are, even when it's just awful. And then you'll be like, wait a second, it's not even that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was my thought that it was bad that was bad. And it's kind of this, this combination of extreme intensity and extreme relaxation at the same time. And George Mumford, and I think everyone should check out George Mumford. He wrote the book, The Mindful Athlete. And of yes. course, he trained Jordan and Kobe. This guy's a legend. Yep. yep. When he would watch Michael Jordan, right? He, he was with Michael all through the 90s. And he would watch Michael in these super, super, super intense moments, and Michael would just get calmer and calmer and calmer. And George would just be like, Michael, what, what is it with this guy, right? <laughs> he was like, he's like the eye of the hurricane. Because in the middle of the hurricane, it's really calm. And so Michael never tried to stop all the madness around him. What he learned was he just got calm in the middle of it. And once he got calm, the Detroit Pistons couldn't do anything, right? Because Michael learned peace and compassion. And then Bill Lambeer's anger and rage, Michael's like, I'm just going to turn around, breathe, and, you know, get Scotty and huddle up, and you can't do anything. As you can see, Graham just has a really calming effect and why it's so attractive to players and how they become successful. And if Kobe and Jordan are doing it, putting them in another level, yeah, I think it's something that you should probably listen to. Now we're going to hear from Jeremy Lin. We're going to hear about his story of Lin's sanity, how he went from an underdog, an unknown, to an overnight, basically world phenom, and how he dealt with that process, and how he puts his trust in the Lord for the great plan that he has, finds his comfort and peace in the Lord. And we're going to hear about his life hacks and his routines that make him the man he is today. So how, how was that adjusting um, to Lynn's sanity and everything that was involved in that? Uh, I would say that the two biggest thing, like my two big takeaways from that was just, I remember thinking to myself, man, like this is, it's pretty crazy. Like just how, like in some ways how fleeting it was, um, because it was like, I remember like all I was saying to myself was just be like, just, just get to the point where like you're an, an NBA, a solid NBA player, like where you're just like an NBA player, like 
like a, a solidified NBA player. And like, that was my main goal, right? Like I was just, that's all I was thinking about was like becoming that. Right. And then once I got that, it was just like on to the next thing, you know, it's like now I have new goals and new, new things I'm shooting for. And like, I've just felt like I, there, there was like this, I was in this like vicious, like yeah. cycle of like constantly trying to achieve more. And I remember there were, moments in there in the middle of that time where i actually felt like very empty um i think that's one of my big takeaways and then i think the other big takeaway that really like helped me was just like learning like having been blessed with so much or this amazing platform like learning how to let go of it in the sense of like trusting god with it because i feel like i feel like i like I had a hard time letting go and that's why I dealt with like severe anxiety at times and like anxiety to the point of like, you know, tears, which, you know, for me is a big deal. Like I don't, I think in the last like seven years I've cried maybe like three times or something. And they were all like, I think three of them were like related to basketball and one of them Mm -hmm. was related to like a family situation. So it was like, I don't know. It's like there's a lot of like there was a lot of anxiety that I was going through um and I felt like learning to give that up or learning to let go of that was like something that I really needed to do. Um and it wasn't like I did this amazing like thing where I was just constantly like surrendering to God. Like it was more like I was like holding on very tightly to my career and to my life and God mm-hmm. was like prying it out of my hands and through that process like I had learned I slowly learned how to trust God. Man, I can't even imagine. I mean, it seems like such an overwhelming feeling to have all that thrown on you and everybody would see it from the outside being like, oh, that's got to be the greatest thing there is. But I mean, when you're not able to, like you talked about earlier, how basketball just keeps you in the present, just enjoying the present moment. It's almost like you got to be looking at, man, what's coming next? I got to hit this goal. I got to hit this target. And you don't enjoy the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, like, yeah, it's just yeah. a lot harder than everyone kind of yeah. understands. Man, I've I've seen you grow a ton, though. I mean, it, like, anytime we're out or anything and, and someone asks for your autograph or a picture and it's, I mean, you seem super comfortable with it. And what I, what I think is awesome is, is I've never seen you turn anybody down, no matter what, no matter what type of day you've had, no matter how long the day's been, anything you've never, I've never seen you turn anyone down. I think yeah. that speaks volumes to that. <laughs> I appreciate it. There were times when I would, but I think like I've learned through the years too, like you said. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Telling it how it is. Super inspirational right there. Love how he finds his peace and his, his joy in the Lord. And now let's hear about what advice he would give to a younger kid coming up and also the moment he realized, man, I'm in the NBA. Trusting, like, trusting that you belong, believing that you yeah, belong. that's good. Uh, it's really good. I think that's, like, really important because, like, there's so many people, like, who, like, really, like, they stop themselves from being the best, like, version of themselves. And maybe you might never be, like, better than player x but like at least be like the best version of yourself is you know 
kind of like what I would, you know, always try to impart on a kid. Give me the moment you realized, man, I'm in the NBA. <laughs> um, I think it was probably when like I stole a pass from Kobe, and I and he passed to Derek Fisher, who like, you know, obviously like growing up in California, everybody knew about them. Like they were like mm-hmm. when they had like Robert Horry hitting that big shot yep, and all that. Yep. Like that was kind of like you know. So stealing that pass at Staples, I was like, dude, <laughs> you know, yeah. Give Kobe a little glance after that. What's up? No, not even. I no. was just like, I was just like, whoa. Like I was more in shock more it's than really anything. Cool. Like it was just like, man, for real. Like I'm here now. And then from there, he went on to score about 50 each game in Linsanity. Just a great overall role model to anyone, anyone in sports, anyone in life in general, and how he lives his life. Thank you to Jeremy. Awesome stuff. Listen to it. I highly, highly recommend his episode. All right, time for some adventure stories from... We'll make you like a James Bond Dos Equis mix. World-renowned adventure coach John Levy, and he's going to tell you about probably one of the craziest adventures anyone could ever go on and why adventure and getting out of your comfort zone is so important for personal growth. What, uh, what are some of the craziest adventures you've been on? Uh, one of my favorite places was I went with, um, I went with a really phenomenal uh, travel company to uh, Antarctica. Oh, uh, it's called Expedition Trips. They were super great because they put me on a 100-person vessel. Nice. And since only 100 people can go on to Antarctica at a time uh, at the landing sites, mm-hmm. it meant that we always all got to go. Like if you go on a cruise ship with 5,000 people or whatever on it, you barely get to go onto the actual land. And so uh, it was beautiful, and we went kayaking. And on the last day... No, last day. It was the day before last, I think. We were in Deception Island, and we went swimming. And I outset my fellow travelers by about a factor of 10 in the water. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever swam in zero-degree water. (laughs) No, and I don't plan on it. Within seconds, you lose feeling in your arms and legs. You can still move them, but you don't feel them in the normal way. It's all pins and needles. Yeah. Yeah. and you know I'm you know I'm in the water trying to float and uh, swim around, and it is like you can't really describe the feeling yeah. uh, in a way that translates to people because it zaps all of your physical strength, and it hits you so hard that you become completely disoriented. It's like being punched by somebody. So when I finally made it onto the sand, I couldn't feel the sand on my feet. <laughs> and from there, I couldn't even, uh, I, I didn't occur to me to put my clothing on. So I wandered around the beach in just a bathing suit for about five minutes or so until people forced me to get dressed, which was a good move on their part. <laughs> wow. That is extremely intense. Yes. I, uh, what else have I done? That's, I went to all seven continents in one year. That was super fun. That, that's cool. See, Antarctica is the last one I got to get to, so we need to talk about this. I'm I'm going down there in Antarctica on whatever one you went on. 
if you didn't push yourself to past your social, physical, or emotional boundaries, you may have had a nice experience, but it wasn't an adventure. Mm-hmm. And so for me, adventure is a catalyst for personal growth, for being a better person, for living a remarkable life, not just a good life. You can live a very good and quiet life, and that's fine. But if what I ended up with at my end of days is a pile of cash and, you know, having spent my evenings watching uh, TV shows or Netflix, I mean, it's a fine life. It's more than, you know, 99% of the world could hope for. But it isn't an extraordinary life. Let's keep the motivational theme rolling and we're going to hear from Connor Young business-savvy entrepreneur who is changing the game in the food and industry business, not just on diet, but on healthy lifestyle approach. And we're going to hear two of his favorite quotes to live by. They are awesome. I focus more on the fact that like anything that's happening at any moment can be embraced, even if it's sucky. So um, I I would, of course, use use, use it usually in my CrossFit workouts. But I mean, the whole thing... Um, if anything's ever going going poorly, I just say embrace the suck because y- you know the the worst thing that happens is that you resist something that's already occurring. But I mean, the the and the best way to I would say you know reduce discomfort in in life is to accept reality. So if you can accept reality even when it's shitty, um, you know you're golden. Well, uh, the, actually, exactly the one that I mentioned earlier, which was. Um, uh, act as if the world is watching, um, because someday it will. Great advice from Connie Young right there. If we can live our lives each day with those two focuses, you're going to improve every single day just from a perspective point of view. All right, now let's sit back and enjoy the best voice this side of Morgan Freeman, Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Ian Eagle. And he's going to talk to you about the best sporting events that he's ever called in his career and how to follow your passion, what he did when he was younger to achieve his goals and be living out his dream job as we speak. I've just always assumed that there's somebody watching that uh, is, is in that moment forming an opinion on me. So I better be at my best. That's that's really cool. That's like uh, the Michael Jordan thing where you imagine that every single night he played that no one had seen him play in the audience before when he was playing for yep. every single one of those people. That's really yep. cool, man. Same okay. mentality. You're the Michael Jordan of, uh, of that's, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. the new label. Nice. I like, I like that jump. Yes. <laughs> hey, uh, what are some of your favorite events that you've announced? I know you listed like every single, I should say what announce have you not announced basically? Yeah. You know, I, I've never had the chance to do a Super Bowl. I, I was part of the CBS team that worked Super Bowl 50 in Santa Clara. I was one of the hosts on a side set working with uh, Brandon Marshall and Boomer Esiason joined us uh, later on in the broadcast. Uh, so that that was a thrill just to be a part of it. But I would say that's a career goal to, to yeah. one day call a Super Bowl. I've been really fortunate on the NBA side to call a number of NBA finals for yeah. the world feed. Uh, I I don't know if I could walk the streets of the Philippines, David, without a, a mop scene. <laughs> I, I'm huge in the Philippines and Indonesia. 
Yep, I know, man. I'd yep. love to go down there with you. That basketball pass oh, is out of control. That would be, that would be huge. I'm so, a yeah, superstar I, down there. That's I know crazy. you are. Man. I know you are. So I ended up doing a bunch of finals uh, through the years, the Jordan years, Akeem Olajuwon, wow. um, Miami in the finals with San Antonio. I had uh, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, a stretch there, Malone and Stockton. Uh, so really lucky that I, I just got to be a part of it. Same thing with the NCAA championship. I called that Duke Butler game on the world feed uh, when Hayward nearly hit the shot of the century. And I think it would have been the, the greatest upset in sports history. And that's even taking into account U.S. versus Russia in the 1980 Olympics and Villanova, Georgetown, and, and other great upsets in sports history. I think that might have been number one if it ended the way that it could have ended with a half-court he from Hayward. Uh, that would have been something special, but it was a fantastic game. Uh, I've I've really enjoyed the variety uh, in my career, and, and I hope it continues. I don't I don't want to be just limited to basketball and football. I'm I'm still open to the idea of calling other things and and opening up new doors if if they come up, but. It's hard to match that championship feel. There's something yeah. about it. There's an energy. Uh, there's a stress level, but in a positive way, even as a broadcaster. Any parting words? I mean, I think you were like the epitome of having a dream, being determined, not letting anybody tell you no, and making it happen. Yeah, the the one thing I would leave you with, and for the listeners, uh, certainly if you're younger and you're trying to figure it out, a couple things. One, whatever it is, you got to immerse yourself in it. Yeah. You can't just stick your toe in the pool. So whatever it is, whatever the passion that, that you find, do everything to ensconce yourself in it, to really live it. For me, when, when I decided that broadcasting was what I wanted to do, I watched games differently as a kid. I listened to games differently. I was listening for vernacular, for how broadcasters would use their voice, how they would inflect, how they would end a sentence, how they would take it out of commercial break. Uh, When I got to college, I started studying the backgrounds of every play-by-play announcer in the four major sports. I made it my business to know where they went to college what job they started with out of college, how they worked their way up there, the ladder. Uh, to me, it, it seems so obvious. If I wanted to join this field, I wanted to know everything there was to know about the field so that one day when I got there, it wouldn't seem obtuse to me. It would seem like something I had prepared for, something that, that I was familiar with, that, that I made sure that I was a part of. And uh, that to me just seems like such a no-brainer for whatever it is you want to do. Uh, you've got to go all in. You've you've really got to commit to that level. The second part of that uh, would be happiness. You know, you don't mess with happiness. So, how we judge success in this world, a lot of people do it financially. Uh, other people do it with uh, keeping score in their mind, competing against somebody else. Uh, to me, that's that's really not the way you do it. It's based on your own personal happiness. If you can find joy, if you can create joy, if you can share joy, that permeates. It permeates through your family. It permeates through your friends. It permeates uh, among your work associates. 
you want to be that person that when they walk into a room, that people are happy to see you. I could not agree more with Ian Eagle and his assessment of what success is. Not success in the eyes of the world, but success in following your passion and just being excited about every single day, waking up to go attack your dreams. All right, now we're going to learn from Patrick Byrne, one of the top-rated sleep coaches in the world, and we're going to learn some sleep hacks. So listen in. He'll tell you how you can improve your sleep right here, right now. Here's the thing about sleep. So when you sleep, so the timing of your sleep is critical to the quality of your sleep. And sleep quality is probably more more important than sleep duration. Yeah. So you can get nine hours of poor sleep or seven hours of good sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why it's important to get a baseline so you really understand what your sleep patterns look like. And then and then you can say, okay, now I know that I'm a good sleeper or that gay, okay, I've got sleep apnea. So I yeah. need to get that fixed, right? Because it doesn't matter if I'm in bed for ten hours, I'm not getting the I'm not getting the recovery that I need. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. How how would you say like if you could pick um, the best ways to get the best sleep? Like how do you make that quality as high level as it can be? Because a lot of people won't be able to get the eight to nine hours each night. Sure. Uh, yeah, so a couple of points. So assuming you mm-hmm. don't have any med- medical issues around sleepers, yes, a, right, a, a, a normal person. Yep. So the the thing is to try to. It's very hard during the season, but certainly off season, you can do this is try to create a, a fairly consistent bedtime. Yep. So, um, that's important, but also, uh, make your room as dark as you can and as cool as you can and as quiet as you can. So that's very difficult in hotel rooms. Yeah. You, you can at home, you can put a you know, blackout blinds, you can lock your door, you can talk to your family, you can get, you know, it's, you have much more control over that. So I've got a few tips for the hotels for one thing. Nice. Um, and so what I do when I travel, I've traveled all over the world, is to the same thing. I unplug everything, right? Everything that's got lights on it, particularly the alarm clocks. I got my smartphone, right? If I want to set an alarm, I can set an alarm. I don't need these big, bright lights. So I try to eliminate, I even unplug the little mini fridges. <laughs> if, they're, if they're noisy and there's lights. Yeah, on, yeah. Right? And a lot of hotels now are starting to put in blackout blinds, but the problem is you always have gaps in, in the drapes. Right? So what I do is actually travel with a handful of these big black paper clips. Okay. And just throw them in a suitcase and you get to a hotel and you can see the, you know, the light coming through and I just clip the drapes together. Mm-hmm. Right, cut, yep. cuts off the yep. cuts off the the the, uh, the light there. Um, you can take I take towels and I put them under the door at the front door, so because you always have a lot of light coming yeah. under the door. Right. Um, the other thing you can travel with is I and I, I know quite a few players that actually do this is travel with these little kids night lights, okay. right? these little sort of Snoopy night light things, right? <laughs> and then and you can put you put it in the bathroom. And so if you get up in the night and you want to go to the bathroom, you don't have to turn on the lights. Oh, man, that's, that's a really good one right there, especially even at home too. Nice. Right. So what, happen, what happens when you uh, get exposed to light when you're trying to sleep right? mm-hmm. or you're asleep, you wake up, you get exposed to light and you're to, you try to get back to sleep. What light does is it prevents the, the, your body from producing melatonin, which is the sleepy hormone. Mm-hmm. And so it starts inhibiting that production of that and makes it harder to get back to sleep. Wow, interesting, man. 
Well, those are those are really good tips. I'm taking those. I travel all over the world too, and I right. need that. I need that, yes, but the Lord has blessed me with the ability to fall asleep just about anywhere. But Patrick's hacks, they will help. Trust me, I've implemented them into my life and my nightly routines, as well as just unwinding before bed and being in a positive, happy state of mind. You always sleep better. Go try them out for yourself tonight, and you will probably hibernate until the spring. All right, next up we have Dr. Drew Hall. Dr. Drew Hall specializes in upper cervical, something that a lot of people don't know about. They think chiropractor, they think cracking backs. Dr. Drew Hall has the ability to change people's lives in just one visit and how powerful that is and how empowering it is to know every day you have the ability to dramatically change someone's life and their overall perspective. I find all these quotes that we hear through the ages and as we get older, like that one. Lots of people hear that, but they really don't get what that means. Right. Totally. I understood at 19 that that's the truth. Because if you lose your health, if you feel like garbage every day, it doesn't matter if you have $100 million and it doesn't matter if you have the greatest family in the world. I mean, that matters. But life is drudgery and you can't enjoy it. Man. So it's great. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. It's just, there's, I mean, you, you get to see it on a daily basis. Like I, I think it's so cool that your passion for this, getting to know you, like seeing how passionate you are about this. I mean, since you went through it and just being able to change people's lives, like, I mean, that's, that's gotta be the most empowering thing there is. Like you wake up every day and Hey, I can change somebody's life today. That's the, that's the coolest thing there's gotta be. Uh, yeah. You got all the hair standing on end for me right now. That's just really good perspective, and I really liked how we said it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how wealthy you are in the eyes of the world, basically, if you don't have your health, you got nothing. And now we're going to get a little super science-y on you. We're going to go to the guys from Halo who are changing the game in neuroplasticity, how to retain more muscle memory through more myelin creation, and they're going to talk to you in depth on why that's so important and what neuropriming is. So the most important concept for Halo is called neuroplasticity. And this is how the human brain learns anything. Basically, repetition is food for the brain to create new circuitry, essentially to rewire itself. And this is true whether we're learning a foreign language, directions to a cafe, math, or how to jump higher. And the process by which the brain creates these stronger, more synchronous connections, neuroplasticity, is the process that we are able to affect with Halo Sport. Now, because we're applying stimulation to the brain's motor cortex, we're only really able to have an impact with this first product on movement-based learning. So that's strength, explosiveness, muscle memory, and endurance. The fundamental part of the brain that we're affecting with Halo Sport are, of course, neurons. These are the way, neurons are the way the brain communicates with with every other part of the body to start with. And so the way that a neuron works is that as you complete training repetitions, neurons in your brain will fire an action potential. Now, By applying electrical stimulation, we're actually depolarizing slightly the neurons in your motor cortex. What that means is that every neuron in your brain is negatively charged. 
by making the neuron less negatively charged, it becomes more likely to fire an action potential. In addition, because we're applying neurostimulation to a specific part of the brain, collections of neurons are depolarized that are close to each other. And as a result, neurons are firing action potentials together. And this is this magical moment in the brain that allows us to accelerate the rate that the brain learns movement-based training. The adage in neuroscience goes, neurons that fire together, wire together. Use that analogy on your significant other, and I guarantee you'll sweep them off their feet. Just really cool how to see how you can create more muscle memory, how it's not just a random thing, but how your brain is really firing off in this neuroplasticity state. Now we're going to finish with a couple fun ones from some NBA players and just seeing behind the scenes on when they realized their moment was that they're in the NBA. We're going to start off with two-time NBA champion James McAdoo and when he realized, man, I'm in the NBA. Uh, I mean, I feel like you have so many of those your rookie year, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Anyone that's Definitely like... Uh, I guess this was my, yeah, this was my rookie year, like, in preseason. Like, just, like, going out in the, like, warm-ups for, like, uh, a preseason game. Like, we were in L.A. Like, it was just, like, the music, like, just looking down and seeing the other guys on the team. Yep. Like, and, like, now I look at it, and I'm like, man, that was no big deal. But, like, back then, I'm like, you would have thought it was like the NBA. Like, it was just the biggest stage ever. For sure. Yeah. Shoot, man. I remember that. I remember that last year, my first plane flight, when I went back to the back and got a whole thing of roasted salmon oh, and veggies. And oh, oh, and they give you the, the per diem, the hotels you stay at. Like, that was actually one of the craziest moments. Like, when we got down to LA and my bag was in my room before I even checked in, I'm like, how is this even possible? Yeah, the NBA life has some perks for sure. Per diem, food on the back of the planes, those are definitely some of them. It's cool to see the behind the scenes from these guys that are so successful in the NBA and that they had to go through those moments too that they realized, wow, this is not just a dream. It's really happening. Now let's go to another NBA champion, one of my very good friends, one of the best overall people in the NBA, Aaron Baines, on his moment when he realized he was in the NBA. Moment you realized, man, I'm in the NBA. When I sat down at my locker in San Antonio and Tim Duncan walks in and sits across from me. And that's I was like, legit. Yeah, that's that's definitely something something else coming from Slovenia and then next minute I'm sitting there and Tim Duncan saying hi to me. I'm like, ah yeah, this <laughs> is this real? <laughs> I'm like, Tim, can you pinch me? And he, that was kind of the bad thing to say to him. <laughs> that would have been super funny if you would have said that first day you meet him uh, that is really cool man i remember like i went to spain that year after and i left spain mid-season you were in slovenia and then i went back to the states turned on the tv one day and there you are playing for the spurs yeah was like yeah that was a bit of a change that year i had to turn it off turn it back on it's awesome, man. Pinch yourself. Pinch myself. That's just I mean, that's just a huge credit to you, though, how hard you work and how relentless you are, man. Oh, it's all good, man. It's no. one of those things that it's the right situation at the right time. And 
I was just lucky to be there. Wow. That was a lot of fun right there going over the 14 first episodes from the Game of Life. And God willing, we have many, many more to come. And I'll only keep learning. I'll only keep improving. Thanks to you guys with your feedback that you give me. Please leave a review at iTunes. Let me know how we can improve on these next 15. And we can have another star-studded all-star lineup at podcast number 30. I want to give a special thanks through the first 15 episodes to our five committed sponsors that we have had. We have Whoop, Halo, Mitchell and S, Super Screen, and Ample. And those will all be linked in the show notes as well with the codes where you can get your discount and check those out. Also in the show notes will be every link on how to listen back to all the podcasts that we've done, the 14 previous And maybe we'll give you a little teaser on what's to come. We've got a lineup ahead that will blow your mind. Thank you again for tuning in and all of your support. And remember, life is a journey. Enjoy it. Breathe it in. And until next week, David Nurse, Game of Life, signing off.